Hello, hello, and welcome back to Under Further Review. It is the number one podcast in the entire listenership of your ear right now. That's right. Of all the podcasts you're currently listening to at this moment, we are number one, and we are very proud of that. Got a really good episode for you coming today. It's just Tyler and I sitting down and talking. Uh, By the time you're listening to this, I will be out of town in Washington celebrating my brother's graduation. Shout out you, Tyler, getting to graduate high school, going to Washington State next year, about to do big, big things. Very, very proud of that, young man. Uh, So we're getting ahead on podcasts and we, we, you know, we're getting ahead, which means we're tight and we, we've got a lot of other guests coming on for the other pods that we've been doing. So Tyler and I are just sitting down. We're talking about something that's really important and near and dear to both of our hearts, I feel like. And it's going to be really good, very valuable stuff. So you're definitely going to want to listen. Tune in. It's going to be fantastic. But before we get there, let's play that music. And welcome back. We are so glad to have you listening to the UFR podcast. We appreciate you all so much. As always, I am joined by our good friend, our co-host, the best producer in the world, one of my best friends, would definitely be a groomsman at the wedding. Don't know if he'd be best man. That's a long ways down the road because I'm still single. Tyler Mathern, how you doing, Tyler? I thought we talked about the in the world thing already. Oh, that's right. But I'm doing good. I'm doing very good. A lot of freshmen outside, eating some grub. It's freshman orientation today. Looks like they're having a lot of fun, signing up for classes for the first time. Exciting stuff. We first met at freshman orientation. Fun fact. And it was incredible. You had your long locks of hair. You looked like you belonged in a death metal band. I I still belong in a death metal band. But now you don't look like it. Now you look like you belong in the woods (laughs) as a master woodsman. Uh, regardless though, we first met and I had only seen your profile picture and I had seen you with long hair and it looked like you were at a bar. So I assumed you were six, six, 250 pounds. And I first saw you and you're like five, six, 150 pounds and totally caught me off guard, <laughs> but still had the aggressiveness and audacity of a man who's six, six, 250. And appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we're not talking about Tyler and I's friendship. We're not talking about freshman orientation at Boise State. Although, let this be known. I want to put this on record. We had this topic decided that we wanted to talk about this today. And then I saw all these freshmen and said, we should just go grab a couple of them and just bring them in here and just get to know people and just have eight guests on one podcast, just cycle them in and out. Everyone gets 15 minutes. We just interview them and their friend and then bring a new group in. Tyler said, no, but maybe another day. There's going to be orientation all summer long, so so we can maybe make we it can happen. Still make that a thing. We might make it happen. We'll uh, we'll talk to all the OLs who are my loving and adoring friends. Shout out to an OL if you're listening to this. I love you. Appreciate you. But today we're talking about none of that. We're talking about finances, the money, the nitty gritty, the hey, why am I always broke? The hey, I'm not broke because I'm good with my money. This is something that I feel like Tyler, you and I, it's both very near and dear to our hearts. And I say that just in the sense that we hate being broke. We hate seeing people that we love being broke and specifically mismanaging their money. I know you and I both have people in our lives that have mismanaged their money and it's set them back. It's not allowed them to live the happiest life that they want to lead. And you know, we're all about trying to live the happiest life possible. It's half of why we started the podcast. So we want to talk about some of the things that we've learned 
that has set us up for financial success because it's not something that they talk about. It's not something they teach about in schools. I, I never got a crash course in how to be financially savvy in school. Luckily, I have parents who are very fiscally smart and they were able to ingrain that in me from a young age. But in school, it was never about all that stuff. And I'm not even talking about how taxes work. And no, no, no. I'm talking about basic ideas of personal finance. How do you create a budget for yourself? How do you manage a budget for yourself? How do you find new revenue streams? Those type of things that literally everyone deals with, but no one knows about. We're not even going to go into how to apply for loans and that kind of stuff on this podcast. No, 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 no. The very basic nitty gritty. And I don't care if you're 18, fresh out of high school listening to this, if you're 35 and listening to this, or if you're nine years old and listening to this. Personal finance and finance keys are always important to setting yourself up for a successful and happy life. First and foremost, this is where I want to, I don't know. Let's start here. Tyler, what are some things you have done in your life that have put you in a position to be financially successful? Wants over needs. Ooh, wait, wants over needs or needs over wants? Well, just that relationship, the ratio of wants to needs. Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I like that better. (laughs) Basically... This is one thing my parents uh, taught me when I was young was what are things that you need and what are things that you want? Separate into those two categories and you can feel really good about buying yourself a need because you need it, but you got to think twice and really research and kind of do your, do your due diligence before you start spending on wants yeah. and you know, dropping a lot of that precious cash on wants because that's where you can dig yourself a hole really quickly. Yeah, and I think a big place that people in particular struggle with this is shoes. For whatever reason, I know people that are like, ah, it's 200 bucks for a pair of Jordans. Why not? Do you need that pair? Like, do you really, really need that pair of Jordans? There's some people in my life who do. They flip shoes, and we'll get into side hustles later, but they really do need those pair of Jordans. You're spending $200 on a pair of shoes. First and foremost, ask yourself, do you need these shoes? Do you already have shoes? Are these shoes just surplus to requirements? Second of all, if you do need shoes, is it worth spending $200 on a pair of Jordans or are you better off spending 50 on a pair of Vans? These are the kind of questions that, especially if you're financially tight, I feel like you need to be asking yourselves and be making better choices. Definitely. And it's not to say I think there's a misconception that, oh, you can't buy anything you want. It's it's, no, that's not the case. It's buy what you want smartly. I mean, don't buy every single thing you want. Find those things that you really enjoy. Maybe like your hobbies or, you know, we talked about passion a little bit, getting into that series, but spend more money in those areas because that's what you enjoy and save money where it's things that you don't care as much about. For me, it's shoes. Some people are really into shoes. For me, it's shoes. I love going to outlet mall, buying a $30 pair of shoes and trying to make them last as long as possible. Like that's, I like shoes. But in that, you know, that category, that budget category. And similarly for me, it's clothing. I don't spend money on clothes. For me, clothes are just things that I can wear. And that's something that when Christmas rolls around, if I do need nice clothing, you know, I work in a business setting. uh, Oftentimes I'm wearing polos and college shirts. That's where I get it because I know for me, those are things that I don't need. I want them. But it's such a non-important need that I can cut down my costs there 
And the la- that allows me to level up my spending in other places, which for me, a lot of times is travel, being able to go spend money on plane tickets or going home. Uh, oftentimes it's extra things. So like when I was in New York uh, visiting my sister over spring break, I bought tickets for us to a New York Knicks game because that's something I really wanted to do. And part of me being able to do that, New York Knicks tickets are very expensive, but me being able to do that, I was cutting down on costs elsewhere, right? Wearing the same pairs of shoes forever and not spending money on clothes, not spending money on a lot of external needs. If you look into my room and you see the decorations I have in my room, it's posters from Boise State and lots of flags that I got my freshman year, right? We've got like a Seahawks flag. We've got like an old tattered up jersey that I have, just stuff like that because those are things that even though I might want other things in my life, I have to make the conscious choice of, you know what? I really do want a Wilfred Zaha 2019 Crystal Palace home jersey. I, I really do. It looks beautiful. But I just know for me, is it worth spending $80, $90? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, one day, you know, one day it probably will be. It's just yes. not at that time. There's You prioritize. You definitely prioritize spending. And if you can prioritize spending, you'll kind of get an idea of where to put your money right away. And then those things that are kind of down on the priority list, you're not sad about them because you'll get there eventually, or you'll decide you don't want them over the course of a few months thinking about it in the back of your head. But just being able to prioritize. What are your needs? What are your wants? Go from there. And something that I think is so important is create a budget for yourself. I was one of the people that for the longest time said, I don't need a budget. I know how much I'm spending. Like I'm good at spending But once I sat down and created a budget and it's all sitting there on paper, it does two things for you. One, it holds yourself accountable. As long as you're willing to commit to it, you're holding yourself accountable and you're actually seeing the numbers that you're spending. So when you go out two, three times a week and you see that you're eating out budgets at 30 bucks and it's a weekend of the month, you're like, oh, crap. Like I'm already getting filled up on that budget. Maybe I got to allocate other things elsewhere. But the other part of it for me was, I saw there were months that I had a lot of excess revenue that I brought in more money than I was spending. And it's like, okay, what am I going to do with this extra hundred dollars I brought in with this month? And you have to physically make a choice of, okay, maybe I do go treat myself. Maybe I go buy a nice dinner. Maybe it is. I go buy that soccer Jersey or what I've been doing. I've been putting that money towards saving for my, my senior trip that I'm going to take after I graduate. And so I'm able then to kind of actively start the saving process. But create the budget. I, for the longest time was someone who just, I didn't do it. Like I said, and it really helps you out so much. If you're someone who needs help with like, how do I create a budget? What does a good budget look like? The first place I'd start is if you have Excel or Google sheets, they have built in budget templates. Just use those. And they're very good. You can go from super basic, just, you know, simple spreadsheet to really detailed where you're getting visualized graphs and everything. There are plenty of options out there for budgeting find one that like suits you and find one that like gets you excited because I I found that's one thing too that helps when managing your own finances is if if you can get excited about it Uh, a couple financial realizations I had um, one of them was balancing out my checkbook if you will I mean checkbooks nowadays aren't really much of a thing but you still have your balance. You know, they still post all of your transactions on your bank account. Right. And if you keep a record of that, that really helps. That's one thing in high school was I was like, I don't need that. I just keep track of it in my head and, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I don't 
spend that much anyway, so right. why do I need to write it down? And my stepmom one day was like, no, you have to do this. Like, eventually you're going to get to the point where you have so many transactions and you're going to get lost if you, don't, if you don't write them down. So I made myself a spreadsheet, and the title of it to this day is um, Money Things That I Have to Do So I Don't Go Broke. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I have that, and I go on there, uh, and I go on there multiple times a week, you know, once a week at least, and just make sure that everything in my bank account is lined up with my spreadsheet, and that's just a good way that I can manage my budget, which I have on a different spreadsheet. Um, I don't check my budget as much because I've kind of got that built into my money things that I have to do spreadsheet um, a little bit, so I don't check my actual budget sheet quite as often. But the other financial realization I made was after I came to college freshman year, I was like, wow, being adults, not that hard. Like there's, you know, I don't have any monetary commitment right now. Like I'm on student loans. It's not that big of a deal. And, you know, we'd go to Buffalo Wild Wings once a week. At least. At least. And I was like, oh yeah, this is, what else am I going to spend my money on? Blah, 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 blah. And then sophomore year hit and I was like, oh, like it's a little bit different. Like I'm, now living I'm, in a house. I'm living in a house. I'm paying rent. I'm buying my own food. I'm not on a meal plan. You're paying for utilities. Yeah. And like, then all of a sudden you have like home improvement stuff and like personal personal gain stuff that you want to do. Like we've been making beer. And so that's something that you've dipped a lot of your personal money into. Then there's other things like, oh, we wanted to go get a ping pong table. We need to get a new TV. Like we want a new Xbox game. And all of a sudden those things start to add up. And we talked about understanding needs and wants, prioritizing your expenditures. But the other thing you can do, if you're someone who just says, I, everything I'm purchasing, I need, I'm super tight. Or maybe you just, you can't help yourself. You know, you have to get those new shoes. You know that you got to get that next Xbox game, Xbox game that's coming out. By the way, Age of Empires, I know you're hyped about it. New AOE 4, right? Yeah, still not, still don't have anything besides a teaser trailer they dropped two years ago. And we thought it was going to be at E3, and it hasn't been thus far. So a little salty about that, but little definitely salty. looking forward to that game. But that's something that you know you're going to buy. Maybe your budget's super tight and you can't figure out. Side hustle. Grind. Get that side cash. It is so easy to do in 2019, and people don't want to put in the work to do it. I know one thing that you were doing your sophomore year was you were doing the essentially Uber Eats, DoorDash type deal. You were with a company called Joy Joyrun, right? Yeah, I tried that a little bit. I did a few runs and like any, it was very small amounts and I did it very rarely. But it was one of those things where, oh, you do a couple runs and you'd end up with five, six, ten, twelve dollars, you know, after a couple runs. And that was enough to, go out, right? right? Like to go get yourself food sometime or, you know, use that money in your own food budget is kind of how I looked at it, which was nice. It was like, oh, wow, like a little bit of free money. Yeah. My other thing, huge, huge Google rewards person. Yeah, you uh, do that a lot. It's really funny. You get 10 cents. Sometimes you can get up to a dollar per survey and you don't pick when you take a survey, they get sent to you. And it's super random. I haven't really figured it out yet. But uh, all of the movies that I have rented over the course of the last two years, I believe it is, have been strictly out of the money that I've made taking those Google surveys. And I don't rent a lot of movies, you know, a, a two to three movies a year. But 
the fact that I don't have to spend any of my own money renting movies is really nice. And it makes yeah. me actually want to go rent a movie every once in a while because that's one of those things that if it was my own money and it was coming out of my my budget, like it's something, account? if it was coming out of my bank account, it wasn't you know money that I've just kind of collected on the side and sits in my Google account. If it was something that had to come out of my bank account, it would get pushed aside. It it wouldn't be a priority, and I, you know, I'm just not a movie renter. Even though there's movies that I can't get on Netflix or stuff that I want to see, it's just something that would fall to the wayside for sure. Absolutely, and I think that's why I am so big on going into these side hustles, making these side hu hustles happen, is because it just allows for those little extra things. I know that one thing a lot of people have been doing with the bird lime scooter revolution is you can charge those. And I think they give you like $20 a scooter. And so people will just drive around in their trucks, their cars, whatever, pick up a bunch of scooters late at night, charge them up and drop them off in the morning. It's a really easy way to make an extra 40, 60 bucks. And all of a sudden that pays for your, you know, Oh, we're going on a road trip. This is my gas money for that. Or I want to get a new shirt. This is the way to do it. One thing I've seen a lot of people doing people that I went to high school and middle school with is they've been selling their old clothes on Craigslist, eBay, Instagram. They just take pictures of it and say, Hey, I have this shirt, five bucks or best offer. It's super passive. And it's a way that somebody sees that shirt. They like that shirt. Just go and buy it for five, 10 bucks. And that's, you know, you sell two or three shirts without even really thinking about it. That's an extra 20, 30 bucks. You just bought yourself a, a night out. Right. And so Finding these side hustles, finding these little things that you can go do that allow you to kind of live that excess, that luxurious life without cutting into your actual budget, your primary budget. The this is my food, rent, water, utilities, all those type of things. It's really, really good. It's really, really healthy. And some of the other things that we've encountered, Uber is super good if you're old enough to Uber or if you can do the Uber Eats like we were talking about earlier. Easy way, put in two hours, make 30 bucks or so. You're chilling. Yard sailing, there is a ton of money in yard sailing. You go to yard sales on a Saturday morning. You have to do some research. You have to know your area of expertise. But let's say you learn a lot about uh, Beanie Babies, for, per se. You go buy Beanie Babies. A lot of people will sell them for a dollar, $2. Some of those Beanie Babies you can resell on eBay for 10 15 20 bucks. I saw this one guy on Twitter. There's a, a page I follow that they do a lot of like yard sailing, and they just post people's yard sale stuff. He bought this really cool looking vase for 40 bucks, sold it on eBay for $600. It's Jeez. a super rare vase from this really popular American artist. It was able to sell it for, I mean, that's 500 plus dollars profit. And it took him probably 20, you know, probably took him two hours a total of yard sailing and maybe another half hour to sell it on eBay and then actually package and send it out. So that's one thing people do. I know people that flip shoes. You set you purchase bots online that buy the new Yeezys, the new Jordan releases for you. You can resell those Jordans for four or five hundred bucks. It's insane how much profit you can make on those. But just doing those little things to make side hustle cash. One thing that we are talking about doing is refing high school basketball games or junior high basketball games. You can make 20, 30 bucks a game doing that. It's two hours, it's kind of fun. And if you do two games a week, let's say you just take a, a week and you do two, three, four games, grind on it for one week. That's an extra 60 to 100 bucks. That allows you just a lot of freedom to go do things. Another one I've seen a, a lot, and there's a lot of mixed uh, mixed feelings about this one, but donating plasma is really big. Yes. You can, I mean, you can donate, what is it, twice a week? Twi or? Twice a week, and I know somebody who does it here in Boise said 
you get $50 for the first one every week, and you get 75 on the second one every week. So she says that she does it two times a month because she says it does make you kind of tired. She doesn't want to do it every single week. But she's bringing in, what is that, 250 bucks a month just from donating plasma? That's insane money. Yeah, that's crazy. And then you can you get more money if you refer people to do it too. Yeah, that's like another $50 bonus or something. It's insane. There's so much money in donating plasma. Another one, ladies, this one's a little out there, but I have a friend who sold one of her eggs. Like like eggs, like reproductive eggs. And so she this company flew her down to Los Angeles because that's where it was and it's hard to, for them to find people and they look for certain qualifications, but Went down to Los Angeles. They performed the surgery, took out one of the eggs, and paid her, I think it was like $4,000, $6,000. Like, it was a lot of money. And so she got a free trip to L.A. out of it because they fly her down there, and she stays there in a hotel for like five days to recover. And she said she was fine after a couple of days. She just hung out on the beach, flies back, and that's a bunch of money. So if you want to make – that's the – if you want the get-rich-quick scheme, that's the <laughs> way to do it if you're a girl. Like, that's it right there. But – Donating plasma, um, definitely a really good way that you can just passively go get money. I mean, yeah, there's things at all. I mean, there's things at all price points. You can make cents or dollars or hundreds of dollars, just what you're willing to do and kind of what effort you're willing to put into it and how creative you can get. Yeah. And I think next, it's the thing with this is that how many times do you think you sit there a week and you just waste an hour, two hours, three hours of your time just because you're bored? Right. And it could be you're just playing video games. You sit on Instagram, you stay up and watch Netflix too late, but you kind of want to go do something. Just find a way to on that Saturday morning where you're not doing anything, replace that three hours of Netflix with three hours of just going and making a little extra cash. It's that simple. There's a ton of apps that you can go to. I know there's one app where you can register to be a dog walker. We all love dogs. You get paid like $10 per dog, I think. And so I had a, a friend who was doing that and she was making, I don't even know, it was like 60 bucks a, a weekend because she would just walk dogs for two hours, call it good, and it's just a bunch of extra cash. So it's a good way for you to be able to get some extra income so that you can live the lavish lifestyle that you prefer. And then you're not killing yourself at your nine to five job. I think so many people, they want the money to go do these things. So they have their nine dollars per hour job at target or wherever it might be and they just overwork themselves there at this thing that they really hate when in actuality you can put in five hours doing something else and make way more money per hour than you would at target starbucks whatever that job is that you don't enjoy doing so big time side hustle guys and for us like right now something we've been doing is just our podcast right obviously we aren't monetized on our podcast yet but it's something that it's setting ourselves up in the future to potentially to be able to make money on. So even if you're not making money off it, find something that you enjoy doing and down the road you can monetize. I talked about this on the Monday message last week, I believe. There was a girl who her passion was making slime. And so she was just making Instagram videos of how to make slime and the new slime she had been making. And all of a sudden she's getting followers and finally she realizes like, hey, you know what? Let's just turn this side pass side hobby that we have into something we can monetize. She's making six figures a year now making slime. She's got Instagram. She's got merch. She's got a YouTube. She's got everything now. And it all started with, I enjoy making slime. I wanted something productive to do in our free time. Our roommate, Alex, something he started doing was he loved custom license plates here in Boise. 
there's a ton of them out there. You know, one of them will say yes. Another one will say like, hell yeah. One of them will say Boise State, just all kinds of stuff like that. And so he just started taking pictures of them and uploading them to Instagram. That's something you get far enough and you're going to be able to monetize that. Yeah, that that's huge. There's there's so many options out there. Find something you enjoy and uh, go with it. You know, maybe maybe you can make a little bit of extra side cash. One thing, I want to ask you this question. So I'm ready. You're a college student. Yes. You're kind of not super interested in the finance thing because your your mindset is, oh well, you know, I don't make enough money to balance out my. Uh, expenditures every month like right. I'm you know I'm constantly losing money because it's expensive and since I'm a full-time student I don't have all the time to work I want to know from your perspective what are some tips that you would have for a college student who's in that mindset how can they be on a limited income but still set themselves up for success once they graduate from school or once they're working more Absolutely. Uh, I think first and foremost is cut your debt as much as possible. You know, if you're going into a field that you feel like you need to go get your degree, get your degree, make that happen. But if you're going, if you don't know what you want to do, if you're kind of just hanging out, you're at a four year school, I would absolutely recommend either take some time off to work while you're figuring out your life and your passions or go get a, a community, uh, an associate's degree at a JUCO at a CC because the, if you don't know what you're going to do, college is super, super expensive. It is so expensive. The cost is so inflated because we've created a culture of people that they feel like they need to go to college. That if they don't go to college, that they're lesser, right? Which I don't buy. That's all bullshit. Like, you want to go make money, go work at a trade. Go work at a trade. Like, you're going to make bank. You want to the, – actually, the, the highest paying out-of-school job in America right now is underwater welding. The second that you get your scuba certificate and your welding certificate, you're making well over six figures. Like median beginning pay, I believe, is $160,000 for underwater welders. So first and foremost, reassess where you are in life. Is that what you want to be doing? The second thing I would talk about is just limit your expenditures in other fashions. So if you're on a tight budget and you know that you're trying to set yourself up for post-college, don't go buy a new car. Maybe sell the car that you have and try going by public transportation. You know, like if you go to Boise State, the, uh, the school gives you a free bus pass. So you can use the bus route all throughout, can't, all throughout uh, Boise for free if you're a student. So maybe sell your car so then you're not dealing with monthly uh, insurance payments. You're not dealing with gas at, you know, month. However often you're filling up, you're not dealing with gas. You're not dealing with just general car fixes. My service engine light went on, and so I got to get that checked out. That's probably going to be a couple of hundred dollars. You don't have to deal with oil. The cars are super expensive is what They're I'm They're really expensive. <laughs> One nice thing if you're not willing to, like, sell your car uh, outright is by using public transportation, you don't drive your car as much, and you will be shocked at how much you save in gas when you don't drive your car very often. I mean, that was one thing. I went from during the school year when I was riding the bus a lot to school – I went from filling up my gas tank, you know, twice a month to just once a month. Yeah. Which, that's an extra somewhere between 40 and 50 bucks a month that I'm not spending on gas. Like, that's a lot of money when you're on, your, when, when you're on a, a tight budget. And that brings me to something I want to say on, on this subject is, even though you're not bringing in as much money as you're spending, 
still stick to a budget. Still make yourself a budget because it's a great foundation. And one thing that you can do is a lot of people have some summer jobs and they right. save up a lot of money during the summer. Save that money, put that money into an account, and then say, okay, how much, like, what can I budget out that's going to get me so that I still have some money left when next summer starts and I start making money again? And if you do that, that's huge. That's one thing that's been really big for me is I figured out, okay, here's how much money I need to live kind of per month. And that's, you know, obviously with a little extra spending money in there, I'm not only buying things I need. I'm, I'm accounting for the wants that I'm going to want, you know, throughout the course of a year or whatever. Right. But just having a monthly budget, that way I can say, okay, everything that's left over at the end of the month goes into what I call my fun money account. It just goes over there, and then that builds up. That's what I'm going to take trips with, or, you know, that's what I'm going to buy things with that I want, the bigger wants. Right. The little $10, $20 wants, I can maybe fit that into my budget throughout the month, but, you know, if I need to buy a plane ticket or something, that just doesn't fit into my monthly budget. That's something i got to dip into my fun money account with. Absolutely. And I think another part of this, too, another piece of advice I'd have on this is, be willing to eat shit. It sounds so bad, but when you're young, your your body doesn't need all the things it does when you're 30, 40, 50. It's okay to be eating ramen all the time or do the frozen pizza. You know, do just the, the eggs for breakfast. You don't have to eat super lavishly and then eat shit everywhere else in your life. We talked about the, the car stuff and not using the car as much. You don't need to live in a two-bedroom apartment that's, you know, nice and bougie. Go live with four other roommates. Go do that. You have, you're have you here for four years, and you're going to set you up better in the long run if you're not putting yourself in overwhelming debt because you needed to live with just, just one person because it's more comfortable. Of course it's more comfortable, but you want to go save money. Go live with four people. It's going to be cramped. It's going to be a little dirty. It's also going to be a ton of fun. You're going to make good memories doing it. It's definitely going to be worth it. Do that in the, in the way that you eat. Do it in the way that you live. Do it in the way that you do transportation. Just every way you can, just be willing to eat shit for a few years. And once you're out of college and you're making full-time money, you will have saved yourself so much money while you're in college that it's going to be so worth it when you get out. Along that same note, like, cook your own food. The amount of money you for save sure. doing that. Like, you talk about eating ramen all the time, but you can save a ton of money on food if you just cook your own food and, you know, throw yourself on a food budget and stick to it. Like, maybe you're like, you don't know where to start. Like, well, I don't know. I don't go shopping. I don't know how much food costs. Pick a number. Say, you know what? 50 bucks for the month. And if you go to the store two times and you're like, oh, yikes, really can't buy enough food on 50 bucks a month, then up it. Find that sweet spot where you're forced to make those sacrifices and not buy those chips or those goldfish or whatever or eat mass quantities of food but you're still able to fill yourself up and and be comfortable and eat the food you enjoy eating i personally i cook a lot i mean i you cook, cook a lot yeah. i i don't eat out a whole lot maybe once a week and i do a ton of cooking but i keep myself on uh, you know for me i say 100 bucks a month for food that's 25 bucks a week. Is that how much week. you spend on groceries? That's how much I spend on groceries. Okay. Um, so I go to the store, and I try to keep, every time I go to the store, I, I normally go once a week, I try to keep it, you know, at or below 25 bucks. And 
I've gotten really good at what's the you know what's the priorities? What are the items that are more expensive? Where if I end up buying this, I'm gonna you know lack in other spots. And one thing that's that's helped me with is like portion sizes. Like yeah. I, I've I've noticed a lot in the last year that you really don't need to eat a ton of food. Like you don't have to make a dish and just fill your plate up. I mean, if if you're our roommate Benton, you do. Yeah, because he, he eats about <laughs> five thousand calories yeah. a day. But I mean, but he burns it. You Credit can get him. away with three small meals and be very content. And in my opinion, I think it makes you feel good if you're not stuffing your face and eating out so much because like you feel good about cooking your own food even if it's something simple and you know it's it's healthier in the long run and it's cheaper in the long run so there's not really a ton of negatives with it absolutely and something i would even add on to this is i think for me the i struggled with this for a long time i would spend way too much money eating out and it would just it's laziness well it's not even laziness it's just i am you know i'm so busy there's other things that i'm prioritizing that I've been on campus from eight in the morning until seven at night. I don't want to go home and have to cook. So I just stop by somewhere and pick up a five or $10 meal. And I'm like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You do that three or four times a week and it adds up. Something that I've started doing that helped me out a ton was just meal prepping. Take one day, make one giant portion of something and then just throw it in the fridge. Cause it's really easy to go home and make leftovers, right? I made some barbecue pulled chicken that it lasts me a week and every day pretty much for lunch i just come home and eat that pasta is another one that you can make a giant thing of pasta throw it in the fridge and then when you're tired and you don't feel like cooking you don't have to come home and cook a nice meal you can just pull out that pasta you'd cooked at the beginning of the week week and eat that and a lot of people get shied away because like oh i'm not going to be able to eat all these quantities or i'm going to get sick of it there is plenty of creative ways to make your leftovers taste really good. I mean, uh, you brought up the barbecue chicken. Like, maybe the when it's fresh the first night, you just have it plain on your, you know, bun or whatever. But then night two, you're like, oh, I want to switch it up a little bit. So you're adding some pickles or some sriracha or some mayonnaise. Like, there's so many options out there to just switch up that flavor a little bit so you don't get bored of whatever you're eating. Great way to go. Yeah, and, like, one thing I did was I had my regular buns. I was putting the barbecue chicken on the buns just like normal. But then what I was doing, like today, when I made that the rest of my chicken, instead of using the regular buns, I, I bought those like Hawaiian rolls and just put some on the Hawaiian rolls and did a little cheese on there. Completely changes the flavor profile. It's something totally different now, even though it's actually physically the same base. Something else you can do with like the barbecue chicken in particular, make some mac and cheese one night and then mix in a little bit of the barbecue chicken. And all of a sudden you've got like barbecue chicken mac. Like there, there's so many ways that you can do it. Don't get shied away from it because it might seem a little daunting and a little challenging. But again, that's one of those times where you're home on a Saturday. You've got that three hours where you aren't doing anything. Just spend an hour and make a giant thing of pasta. Take that time to, to make a, a giant portion of meat or whatever. And you're just going to set yourself up, up for success. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to touch on, on on this sense of the I'm tight on expenditures? How can I save money? getting out of college? No, just give yourself a good foundation, still budget, and college is a great time to figure out how much things cost yes. and plan accordingly. Because Absolutely. if you do that in college, it sets a foundation for when you do start making money to not go all sporadic and be like, oh, I'm living lavish. If you, you, know, if you plan it out in college, you got yourself a good foundation, you're more likely to carry that over into when you start working and kind of having living on that idea of, 
oh, I can live on less than what I make so that I have money to do other things. Yeah. And so I wanted to touch on the other side of this. The I'm making a lot of money in college and my parents are paying for my school. So I don't have any expenditures, but I have this really nice job that I'm making 1200 bucks a month at like, how can I set myself up then? Cause right now you're, you're just spending it all. You're sitting there going downtown every night, buying drinks for everybody at the bar. You're like, I'm rich as hell boy. Like I'm living life. Like I know I have a friend in my life who he's not in college, but you know, living at home with his mom still, um, which by the way, if you can do that, do it, save yourself that money. <laughs> like <laughs> you save so much on rent, but he's living at home with mom. You know, she covers all the rent for him, like all the food for him. He's not paying any of, he pretty much has zero monthly expenses other than I guess like eating out and stuff and, and gas for his truck and, and his, uh, his insurance for his truck. But, but he's making a bunch of money cause he, he's at a trade school. And so he has an apprenticeship that he's getting paid like 20 bucks an hour working 50 hours a week. So he's making bank, he's making a ton of money, but he's not say he's just concert ticket here, doing this thing, doing that thing. One of my biggest recommendations, set up an IRA, especially if you're young, set up a Roth IRA. You're going to thank yourself way down the line. For those of you who don't know, an IRA is an uh, individual retirement account. And essentially what it is, it's a tax deferred account that you can invest into so that when you do retire, you're essentially receiving your money tax-free. Um, especially the Roth IRA, IRA, the way it works is that you put money in, the government knows since it's a Roth IRA to tax it slightly differently. And then when you pull it out, when you're 64, you don't have to pay taxes on it. And so if you start putting in, you know, for me, I put 80 bucks a month into my IRA. It's not a lot. It's not a lot at all, but that 80 bucks a month, you then go throughout that to the entire year, hit you with some quick math real quick. I'm putting in about a thousand dollars every year into my IRA. And if I continually do that, if I just did that every year for the rest of my life, at some point I'll up it when I'm making more money. But if I did that for the rest of my life, based on the gains that you're expected to earn in IRA, because it is investments, I'll retire with $500,000 in my IRA. And that's not an exaggeration. You can go online. You can look this up. If you put a thousand bucks in from the time you're 21 until the time you retire, you'll have $500,000 in your account and $500,000 good money to live off of. You can live at least 10 years off $500,000. So if you have that extra money, start investing in your retirement, start investing in your future, start investing in general, make your money work for you. I think that's so big. You and I have gotten into investing and we just use simple apps, Acorns, Betterment, where they do all the work for you, but you, then your money's working for you. If you leave it in your account, like your basic savings account, you're getting like 0.01% interest on what you make. You're essentially making pennies every year. If you put that money into Acorns, into a Betterment, all of a sudden you're making 2 3% profit every single year on your money. It's working for you. It's making more money for you. Yeah, and the other thing, what I want to say touching on that note is there's a misconception that you need a lot of money to invest. You don't. These apps out there charge very, very, very small fees. You don't have to go through anybody. There's no minimum account balance that you have to maintain. So, you know, just toss money in there every once in a while. The other thing for me is I don't have uh, reoccurring monthly deposits into my, into my account. What I did was I have, I have my finances calculated out till the end of uh, this coming school year, which is my senior year. So until the end of uh, graduation, and then I gave myself you know a two or three month 
cushion there after I graduate, assuming I need to find a job. So I calculated out my finances um, that far, and then I was like, oh, wow, I have, you know, I'm going to have a surplus of money. And so what I did is I took some of that surplus of money that I have now, and I went and opened up a Betterment account, and now it's sitting there making money, and it, it fluctuates, of course, but in the long run, in it's the always long going run, to make it's money. Always going to make money. So, At the very least, you'll keep up with inflation. Yeah. Like the number one way to get robbed: keep your money in a savings account because the dollar will inflate, but your money won't. So every every day that it sits in your bank account, in a way, you're just losing the value on your money. Monetarily, like numerically, the number may stay the same, but the real value of it's going to go down. And that's some econ talk. We don't have to get into all of that. But just put it into an investment. It's going to save your life, and it's going to do so, so much for you. So I want to touch on another topic that I think is not talked about a lot at our age or younger, not really taught in school. I mean, none, not a lot of finances are taught in school in general. So unless you have parents who are really guiding you through and um, are good with their finances, you don't get exposed to a lot of this. We touched on it earlier, but I think it deserves more of a spotlight, is debt. Debt. We live in a debt society. We live in a society where, like, big corporations rely on consumer debt. I mean, banks rely on you having debt. Like, car companies, they rely on you having debt. There is so much debt, and it's, it's so normal. You can finance everything now. You buy a phone. You can put it on monthly payments. Everything is payments. Everything is debt, and if you are our age, that's just something you think is normal. You're like, oh, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't I? You know, right? Monthly payments. Like, I can afford monthly payments. Like, it's, why it wouldn't you do credit, that? Builds credit. Great which idea. A, which is a lie. There it's is a dirty, rotten lie. Stay out of debt. I mean, don't do monthly payments if you can't afford it. Don't buy it. For me, I have student debt right now. I'm going to school on student debt, which stinks, but I'm not accruing any other debt. Like, I made it a point where I will not have any other debt when I graduate. I don't have a car payment. I uh, I don't even know what else I would... I'm not renting any furniture. I don't I don't know where to go with that. Yeah, but I just don't have any other debt. I don't right. have credit card debt. I don't car, have credit card car debt. Car payments, that's a big one. Car payments. So, boat I mean... Boat payments. Yeah. If you buy a boat. Yeah. Yeah. Keep yourself out, out of, of debt. debt. It will be huge. I'm a big... Dave Ramsey guy, shout out Dave Ramsey if he's listening. No uh, free ads. We're going to bleep that in post. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, his big thing is get out of debt because once you're out of debt, your money gets to work for you. You have right. more money to work with. Plus, it's so much less stress if you're out of debt and you don't have to worry about monthly payments. One thing I've been going back and forth with over the course of the last, oh, four months now is a phone, buying a new phone. I've had my phone currently for three years now. Um, At least. Maybe three a little and a half longer. even, because you've had it since freshman year. Yeah, so I've, I've had my phone a long time. I'm a big technology guy. I really want a new phone. I really want a brand new phone. And I'm struggling with that right now because the what the phone companies do is you can buy this phone that's $1,000, but pay like 26 bucks a month for it over the course of two years, a two-year contract, right? And there's no interest on it, so it doesn't seem like a bad idea. But at the same time, I'm like, I just, I really enjoy having that 25, 30 extra bucks every month. Right. Like, do I really want to tie that up in a new phone? And so I've kind of settled now on 
I'm just going to wait till there's a phone that is perfect for what I'm looking for, and then I'm going to wait even longer until I can get it on sale for a lot cheaper, so that way I'm not tying up that money, that monthly right. money, because I don't want to do that. I still want to have that freedom of you know having some extra bucks at the end of the month that I get to put into my fun money account because like I don't want to stop having fun. I don't want to not be able to buy a season pass to Bogus Basin. You know, I don't want to not be able to afford to buy a plane ticket to go home and visit my family. Like, and in order to do that, I need to keep contributing at some extent to my fun money account. So, I mean, even small purchases, I mean, I guess a phone is small in size, but a very large purchase nowadays. Like, definitely research, like calculate it out. Like, is it worth it? Is your phone that's three years old, is it gonna, is it gonna last longer or is it completely at the end of its life? I mean, if it's completely at the end of its life, you're gonna have to get a new phone, but look at other options. There's a lot of phones. Buy used phones. Buy used phones. See, for me, that's like, I don't know if I could buy a used phone. Like, I just, I'm so much you're, of a technology so guy. A te- but if you're someone who you're just using it to call and text and occasionally check Instagram, you can buy phones on Craigslist for $200 easy. And there's uh, there's websites out there, like, I think it's Zelle or Gazelle or... Zello? Zello. Something like that. Something there's, like that. There's a, there's a website out there where you can sell your uh, used phone and they'll give you some cash towards buying a phone on there. And I know people who have gotten phones off there that are, you know, one or two generations older and, you know, they're pretty much brand new and they work for what they're looking for. And they've been, you know, they've had those older phones for a couple years now and they've turned out great. So that's just one of those areas that you can toss into your want versus need thing and really take the time to calculate it out. I mean, calculate the expense and ask yourself like is this worth it everything you buy should that should cross your head so like, is let, this worth let it? me hit you with some numbers on debt okay because 80 percent of americans are in debt and that includes us us gen baby boomers 81 percent of baby boomers are in debt 80 percent of gen xers are in debt 81.5 percent of millennials in debt so most of our audience is millennials we have the analytics on it shout it out you millennials you guys are the worst of anyone you guys are in the most debt Tyler, let's run through the short list of things that it is okay to go into debt for, especially when you're young. One, a house. If you go buy a house, totally cool to have mortgage payments. Research the market. I mean, like... It's not realistic to spend, to drop 600,000 cash on a house. It's just not. 1.5. School payments, school loans, student loans. The exception is... If you know what you want to do, you can get in and out in four years, and you're getting a degree that you know you can make decent money coming out. You're getting your degree in computer science. That is a degree that you can look up the numbers. You're more than likely going to get a job right out of college, and you're going to have enough excess money that you can pay off your student loans. I'm sorry. If you're a history major, if you're an English major, if you are a theater major, I'm not saying your degree is worth less. But the statistics say you aren't going to make as much money coming out of college. It's not worth going into debt for a lot of those degrees. It's just not. You're better off taking two years, going to school, and then taking a break to spend a year working so that you don't have to go into debt for those things. Because every time that you're in debt, that debt increases. You're paying interest. And all of a sudden, you're not paying money on the actual school. You're paying money on interest. And anytime you do that, you're wasting your money. So that's it. One and a half. A big one I see people go into, into debt for is cars. Don't do it. Here's the, the most messed up thing about cars, right? 
If you buy a $20,000 car brand new, the second you drive it off the lot and it becomes used, the second you have mileage on that thing, it is worth $12,000 on average. Cars, the second you drive them off the lot, you lose 40% of their value. It is a horrible, horrible, horrible investment. Buy used and buy it with cash. For me personally, I knew that there was, I knew I didn't want to go in debt for a car. I saved up a bunch of money. I saved up $5,000 and I said, this is my budget. This is what I'm doing and that's it. And so then I went and bought the car, went to the bank, got straight cash, literally just hunted, 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 hunnets after hunnets and gave them straight cash because we didn't want to go in debt. Here's why you don't want to go in debt in particularly for cars. My sister and her husband, they bought a, they bought a used car for it was like $13,000, but they financed it. Four months later, my sister gets a job opportunity in New York City. In New York City, where nobody drives because it's super expensive to park anywhere because it is impossible to get anywhere because traffic is awful. They just bought this new car. They felt kind of pressured to take it because they had just bought it. They had just financed for it. If they had bought it with cash, it would have been really easy to say, ah, you know what, we'll just resell it. We bought it for $13,000, I think it was four months ago, we can resell it now for $12,000. No big deal. Cut our losses. But when you're financing it, it is so hard to sell a car that has a, a finance on it where you don't actually own it. It's not worth it. And this is why debt in general is a problem. You talked about with your phone, you don't want to tie up that extra $30 a month. Anytime you go into debt, you're tying yourself into payments every month. And especially when you're young, you don't want to tie, you don't want to tie your, your liquid assets down. You want to be able to have as much money as you want so that if you want to pivot, if you want to do something else, if you want to go take a risk, you know, maybe you want to go move to LA and try your acting career. If you have debt, that's going to be impossible to do because you have so much expenditures locked down in debt payments every month. But if you don't have yourself in debt, you have the freedom to go do these new and other things. So the only thing, I really believe this, the only things you should go in debt for are a house and potentially student loans if you know that it's immediately worth the investment. Yeah, and I think this ties back into what we were saying about budget, but I think a trap a lot of people fall into is they're like, yep, I'm going to get out of school, I'm going to pay off my student loan debt you know, as soon as possible, and then I'll be fine. But then they graduate and they're having that, uh, you know, they're having that good income stream coming in something they haven't been used to in college, and they didn't plan for it. They didn't have a good foundation, and so now they're spending a lot more money. They're living up to their income, but they're pushing student loans to the, you know, onto the side burner. And how many times do you hear, oh, my student loans are eating me alive. I'll be paying them off until I'm dead. Right. Like, no, no, no. If you make it a priority and you live on less than what you make, you can, you can bust those out. I have a plan set out. I planned it out. And I looked at the numbers. Worst case scenario, I can get my student loans paid off, and I think it's four or four and a half years. That's worst case scenario. Best case scenario, I can get them paid off in two years or less. And like, just having that plan and knowing what I'm living on now, I can totally live on what I live on now for two more years. To for two more years, You'll no be big deal. No big deal. I can do that, and I can get those student loans paid off, and then I have my entire income every month working for me, building wealth, investing. And I mean, that's where, that's where you make the money. That's, yeah. You ask about, oh, how do you get rich? It's get out of debt and make your money start making money for you. Live, live within your means. And when we say this, it's not... I think the best way to do this is first and foremost, prioritize any debt that you do have, number one. 
pay that off first, even before your rent. If you need to move into a cruddier apartment so that you can pay off your loans as quick as possible, do it because then you're going to free up that extra money every single month to go do something better. So number one, prioritize your loans. Number two, then prioritize your monthly expenses, whatever that is, your, uh, you know, your, your rent, your, your utilities, those things that are mandatory. And then three, prioritize your investments. So for me, I have my investments, my, my IRAs, my investments set up so that it's at the beginning of every month, that number is locked in and it goes straight in from my account. And so then my budget, it's not a matter of, oh, if I have leftover, I'll invest it. It is that money is already invested. So I better figure out a way to not go over on anything else, right? My miscellaneous budget, my eating out budget, even my groceries budget are all the, they're not dependent on, well, you know, maybe if I decide to invest or not, no, 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 I've invested. So I better make those three numbers work for me. You have to prioritize those things. That's how you start living within your means. And that's how you start making your money work for you, how you get that extra net worth into your life. And so that you're able to build towards a happier and better future. Because look, I think a lot of people struggle with this idea with investing. It's okay. But if I just keep investing, when do I get to spend it? When you want more in life, when you have kids and a family and you want to go travel and do those things. And granted, I am all for traveling, going and making experiences happen. But if you can figure out a way that you're setting yourself up for your future while also being able to do those things in the interim, that's the way to do it. And what is, I mean, what is two years when you first get out of school? Yeah. I mean, just grind for two years and then you have so much more freedom. Like it's just two years is nothing. It's nothing. You don't need, you know, uh, I've heard this a lot, like have the ability to delay pleasure because it's going to be better in the long run. Yep. And that, I mean, that's what it all comes down to. And so just a, a quick side tangent here with traveling, because I think that's the one thing that people, it's always people's trump card when it comes to budgeting is, well, but I want to go travel. That's fine. You can travel on a budget. I want to go travel too. I have been traveling. I went to New York in the spring. I'm going to Mexico with my family this winter. When I graduate next spring, next summer, I'm going to be going to Europe on a trip. You can do it. Start saving ahead of time. Start budgeting everything you do with it. Flights, hotels, food, have it all budgeted out so that even when you're there, you have a general idea of where your spending's at and then figure out a way to travel hack. That's the biggest thing is I think so many people, they get a place stuck in their head. They say, I really want to go to Rome. I've always dreamed of going to Rome. I'm going to go to Rome. So they only look at flights to Rome. That's it. They look at flights to Rome and then they pick out just one week. They're like, all right, I'm going this week no matter what. Then they just buy the plane tickets and it's $1,300 and they say, well, you know, I'm just going to live with it. If you're traveling for pleasure, there are two things that you can do that are going to save you a ton of money. One, be flexible on your dates because the reality is certain dates are going to be less popular than others. If you go to Rome in September, it's a lot cheaper than if you try to go into July. It's just the way that the market works for traveling. Number two, be flexible on where you want to go. Like if you know you want to go to Europe and you really want to see Rome, that's fine. But be flexible about the rest of your trip. Oftentimes, we don't just go to one place. Like I feel like generally people don't just spend one week in only the city of Rome. If you really want to go to Rome, it's easy once you're over there to take buses, to take trains, to take hopper flights. Just be open. And the way I do this, I go on Google Flights. I set up uh, my dates to any time in the next six months. I will travel anywhere in the next six months, and I'll figure it out once we're there. And then I just type in Europe for the location. I don't type in Rome, just type in Europe. And 
you might see, okay, Rome is a $1,300 flight to get there, but over this one week period, I can catch a $700 flight to uh, Bulgaria. And so maybe I'll spend three days in Bulgaria, go see everything Bulgaria has to do, and then I can catch a train from Bulgaria to Rome for $80. And all of a sudden, on just the flight alone, I've saved myself 500 bucks, and I'm going to go experience something new in Bulgaria. Like, don't have your mind so set on going to one place or doing it at one time. You're going to be able to save yourself a ton of money. Once you're over there, try to stay in Airbnbs uh, or similar places that you can cook from home. Look, I'm all for eating out, experiencing the food, experiencing the culture, but just as well, if you can make a, a habit of maybe it's one, one meal a day when you're traveling, try to cook from home, try to do something easier. It's just like it is here. It's going to be a lot cheaper for you. Uh, as well, part of that, try to live like the locals do. Eat at the, the places that locals will eat at. I think this is something that's really big in, like if you go to Mexico, if you go to the, like the touristy shops, it's $30 for a t-shirt, just like here it is here in America. But if you take the time, go into the little back alleys, find the, the little huts that they're selling t-shirts and stuff that the locals go to, you can buy a t-shirt, the same t-shirt for 2 or $3. Because these places know we're in a touristy area, we can jack up our prices and they'll pay for it. Oh, we're in a local area, we have to keep our costs low. So just some quick travel hacking tips for you. Uh, you can go travel and you can do it on a budget and make everything else work for you. That ties perfectly into the last point I wanted to make was just plan ahead. I mean, yes. take those yeah. small money victories where you can get them. It makes you feel good, and I think you'll find that you really start to enjoy planning things out. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a great feeling. I mean, it doesn't have to be to a T. Obviously, you need to be flexible. But, like, those big things. Like, if you are someone who wants to get married somewhat recently after school, like, okay, if, if you're a guy, maybe you need to think about, oh, I might have to buy a ring someday. If I want to get married, you know, a couple years after school, like just think about those big things that might come up and plan around that and, and start, you know, putting that into your yeah. long term budget and working towards those goals because it'll just it'll free you up so much. And you're not going to get to that point where you're three, six months ahead and you're like, oh, crap, I need this really big purchase and I don't know where I'm going to find the money. And I have to sacrifice a ton now. Just yeah. make that an effort now. And it's not even going to feel like you're sacrificing anything because it's just you've planned it and you're ahead You're ahead of schedule. Yeah, I think that's huge. I think that, I mean, we've talked about how important saving your money is. The last point I had, which you're kind of tying into, is ultimately don't make money the biggest concern in your life. I think that's the, the mistake so many people make is that they neglect their finances until it gets to the point that it's so overwhelming that it consumes who they are. The number one reason that men commit suicide is for issues of money. It's tragic that people let this take over their life and it shouldn't be a big deal. Be smart with it because it's ultimately going to make you happier. You're still going to be able to find happiness even if you don't have the $200 pair of Jordans. You're still going to be able to find happiness if... Maybe instead of Italy, you went to Bulgaria. You're still going to be able to find happiness if at the Boise State game, you sat in the 200 level instead of the 100 level. It's just the way it is. You're still going to be able to find happiness. You're still going to be able to find good moments because ultimately it's our experiences, not monetary materialistic things that drive our happiness. So don't let it consume you. Don't let your money issues consume you. There's just bigger and better things to do in life. Tyler, did you have anything else before we wrap up? 
No. All right. Well, hopefully you learned something from this podcast. Hopefully you're able to take something out of this and say, I'm going to try that. I'm going to do something new. Tyler and I are both people that we've definitely taken control of our finances in our lives and we've made it so that we're in control of the finances. The money is in control of us. So if you need to reach out to us, reach out to us, contact us. We'll help you set up a budget. We'll help you. I'll send you the websites and the apps that I use to travel hack or to get cheaper stuff. Or if you're like, Hey, I want to learn more about how to do side hustles. Talk to us about it. We want to help you guys. We want to help you guys live the best life that you can possibly live. We really do believe that we really do try to live that to the best of our abilities, but hopefully you learned something. If you did, even if you didn't, send it to a friend that you feel like might need this. If they're sitting there struggling with their money month to month, send this to them and they might be able to use it. So thank you so much. We love you all. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your week. Bye-bye.